Welcome to Clocking In, Forces of NC Manufacturing. I'm your host, Phil Mintz, Director of the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, otherwise known as NCMEP. My role is to drive outreach to NC manufacturers, build relationships to federal and state leaders, and coordinate efforts to drive profitable manufacturing growth in North Carolina. Throughout my time working closely with manufacturers, I have heard the most quirky, curious, and memorable stories. I wanted to turn these stories into a podcast so that others may hear and be informed and inspired. From humble beginnings to manufacturing titans, from tragedy to triumph, I will be interviewing some of these manufacturers who have made North Carolina manufacturing the powerhouse that it is today. The manufacturing economy seems to have been on quite a roller coaster in 2020, with so much uncertainty around many things, but probably due to a lot of heavy dose of COVID-19 pandemic and the national election cycle. What lies ahead for an economic recovery is such a hot topic. I'm glad to have clocking in with us today, our resident NC State Authority on the state and the national economy as it relates to manufacturing. Dr. Michael Walden is a William Neal Reynolds Distinguished Professor and Extension Economist in the Department of Ag and Resource Economics of NC State University and a member of the Graduate Economics Faculty with the Poole College of Management. Dr. Walden has teaching, research, and extension responsibilities at NC State in the areas of consumer economics, economic outlook, and public policy. He has published more than 12 books and over 300 articles and reports, including his newest books titled Real Solutions and Disunia. Dr. Walden has daily radio programs aired on stations around North Carolina, which he has won two national awards. Among other things, he has written, uh, co-authored four economic thrillers, and we'll probably get back to that later on. So (laughs) Dr. Walden, welcome back to the program. How are you doing? Good to see you again. Thank you. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I just remembered that last year, you know, I was using that word thriller to relate to your books in the economy and how things are going great. But, you know, this year takes us to quite another story, doesn't it? It does. You know, can you start out maybe by giving us a perspective on just maybe how bad things have been uh, over the pandemic and and our economic? Yeah, well, one of the things, Phil, you alluded to that that has made what we've gone through over the last, what, nine, ten months so bad is, we started out the year very optimistically. In fact, the economic numbers were very good. Uh, we actually set a record in the country and also here in North Carolina for the longest period of time without enduring a recession. And we thought we were going to add to that record in 2020. Uh, we were growing. Uh, we had unemployment under 4%. And very importantly, we saw very good labor markets for people who are at the lower end of the, of the uh, wage ladder. In fact, they had some of the better improvements in terms of job opportunities as well as increases in wages. So we were doing very well. And then unfortunately, the the pandemic came and it was decided fairly early on. Most of these decisions are by state uh, governors because of of our makeup of our country. But that since this virus was so contagious, it had the potential to be very deadly. And we were worried about overwhelming our medical care system or hospitals that we needed. The decision was made. We had to actually put the economy into a recession by telling many businesses you're going to shut down, uh, by telling people stay home unless you have to go out for, for uh, food or whatever. And so in, in the uh, summer, our economy actually shrunk by about one third. And that was unprecedented. 
Unemployment went up to uh, mid-teens, both nationally and here in North Carolina. This was, this, I, I call this the mandated recession. I mean, some call it the COVID-19 recession, that's fine. But my point with using mandated recession, this is not like previous recessions, which are usually due to some, some problem in the financial market or, or, or maybe a restriction like in the 70s on oil supply, et cetera. This was a recession we really said we had to endure in order to get control of the virus. Now, the good news is that although we are seeing apparently a resurgence of the virus, we have been able to lift a lot of the controls and a lot of the restrictions on businesses. So most of it, with some exceptions, most businesses are back, although they're back in a much different way. A lot of people are back to work. The unemployment rate has is, is gone from mid-teens to um, 7-8%. So we don't have everyone employed, but better than we were. And the federal government has poured a lot of money, at last count about $4 trillion of money into the economy, helping businesses, helping households, uh, helping farmers, uh, helping manufacturers, et cetera. Because the concern was if, if, we, if we knew we had to shut down and people couldn't operate and we didn't really know how long this would take, we ran the risk of a lot of businesses just saying, I can't reopen when I can. I'm just going to throw in the towel. And that would be bad for the economy, obviously. We're now at the point where the, the economic situation is much better. In fact, in the, in the third quarter, we had almost the reverse of the second quarter. In the second quarter, the economy collapsed at a third. In the third quarter, it came back by a third. So we're, we're still down for the year, but we're in a much better shape. A lot of businesses are open. A lot of people have gone back to work. It's a different economy, though. And that's something we might want to talk about, how once we're, we're over this, we are going to have a much different different economy, but we're headed in the right direction. We're certainly not out of the woods. I mean, big, big concerns right now with this resurgence of cases. Our ultimate, the ultimate goal, of course, is a vaccine. And we, we do hear that a vaccine may be, may be near, maybe within uh, months, for example. But that's ultimately what we're, what's going to really uh, clobber COVID-19 is for us to have a vaccine. Let me ask you this, uh, you know, you talked about we were in a mandated recession. So by, by technical standpoints, do you, do, is it measured the same way as the, as the normal recessions? And are we out of it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Recession um, means that the economy is receding, getting smaller. The rule of thumb we use is that we have to have that, that uh, contraction of the economy for two quarters, six months. Yes, we, and we've met that definition in, in spades with this, with, with this COVID-19 or mandated recession. And although a, a, a call has not been made, just like calls have not been made on some of the political races, a call has not been made on the recession being over, I think most economists would say once the economy resumed growing, which it did in May, then we, we are, we're now on the back end of that and we're beginning to get back. We're not totally back, but we're, we're, now, we're now on the back end. Unfortunately, we think we had, as I mentioned, we had a very, very good, strong growth rate in the third quarter. Most economists think that's going to, we're going to continue to grow, but it's going to slow down noticeably, sort of like we had all the low-hanging fruit to pick in the third quarter, and now it's going to be much harder to move ahead. And it's probably going to be, Phil, a year from now before we get back to the size of our economy that we had pre-COVID. So can you talk a little bit about uh, how the manufacturing industry has fared in general? I know there's probably been some companies that have made out better than others, even though there was a, a mandated recession. Yeah. Well, some, some parts of manufacturing were deemed essential services. A good example for North Carolina would be our food processing component, and that's considered part of manufacturing. 
that was considered essential. And as you probably know, we have the largest food processing plant in the world in Tar Heel, North Carolina. And obviously we need to keep eating. So that was, uh, that was deemed an essential service. But no, manufacturing has, has felt, felt this. Uh, manufacturing employment suffered, didn't suffer like people in the entertainment area or the restaurant business, but it did suffer down about 10% from earlier in the year to the worst month, which was April. Recovered a little bit, not all, but a little bit. We're still down for the year in terms of employment. But I think gradually things will, things will get better. I do think, and I, I do want to make sure I get this in, I do think there are going to be some opportunities on the other end of this for manufacturing in North Carolina. For example, I think we probably have a consensus in the country, regardless of, of uh, who, who's going to be present next year, that we need to make sure that we have enough production of medical supplies, gowns, masks, ventilators, et cetera, in the country that we don't have to rely on other countries. Think about that. Could We, we are well-placed, North Carolina, given our textile background, given our pharmaceutical background, to take, take advantage of that. So I think that's that'll be something very interesting to watch. I think also a lot of businesses, even before COVID came here, we were affected because China had COVID and their big industrial center, Wuhan province, was shut down. And a lot of our companies get supplies, get inputs from there, and they were cut off. So even before the virus got here, we were feeling the impacts. And I think that's also going to cause a lot of manufacturers to rethink their supply chain and probably boost, at least have a backup supply chain here in the country. And that should also help North Carolina. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because as a part of our program at the MEP, you know, we've been we're being driven by at the national level to work with these smaller companies mm -hmm. on reshoring type projects and and ways that they can actually, you know, take on some of these challenges. And so uh, that fits right into to our strategies. Uh, but I did want to actually get back to that uh, the, the issue of trade. You know, the, the last time we talked, you know, it was a lot of discussions about trade disputes and all of those things but you know i hadn't heard a whole lot about that you know since the, the pandemic so i'm guessing that's that's not as important right now Do you, can you give us an update of kind of where we are with our trade disputes? well the trump administration is has trade has been one of their top priorities they did negotiate a new a replacement to nafta called the usmca us uh, canada mexico agreement most observers think that's been a, a big plus NAFTA has, was 20, 25 years old. There are a lot of antiquated parts to it. There are a lot of issues in terms of trade within the, the three countries. So uh, USMCA, I think, was a plus, net plus. I think it'll be a plus for North Carolina. The big, the big I think, disappointment is we did not get a, a trade deal with China. We've had right. some little pieces there, but we didn't get a trade with, with China. Now, I will say this is, this is not directly manufacturing. China relies a lot on our, our agricultural production. And when we were in the midst of the hard negotiations, they really cut that down. Now they've come back and they, they're actually buying much, much more from our farmers. But I think that's going to be a lingering issue for the, for the next administration, whether it be a new Biden administration or a continuation of Trump administration. How do we deal with China with trade? Do we just leave it alone? Do we just say, well, uh, whatever, if they can do it cheaper, we'll buy from them and whatever they want to buy from us. Or do we need to worry about some of the things that they've been accused of doing, like stealing uh, intellectual property, uh, some things they do to companies, our companies who want to do business there, forcing them to take on a Chinese partner, et cetera. The Trump administration tried to take all that on, but really they weren't successful in getting any resolution. So, so there's still a big question mark there. 
So uh, one more thing. I, I know you're busy and we don't want to hold you up too much longer, but there was a big uh, stimulus package, right, mm-hmm. that came out right when this pandemic hit. And and I guess many companies were able to benefit from that and keep things going. But there's been a lot of talk about a second package. And, mm-hmm. you know, what uh, what is your take on that and whether that's needed or, or, or you know, do you have any uh, thought about okay. where we are with that? Well, where we are, we're in a stalemate, and it's nothing's obviously we're past the election. It may be, I mean, if the Trump, if President Trump is, is ultimately reelected, there may be something, some negotiation at the end of the year. If a, a former Vice President Biden uh, is is elected, it'll probably wait until uh, he takes office at the end of January. But the concern is there's still needs out there. There's we still have seven eight percent unemployment. We have people who can't make the rent payments. We have people who can't get health care. And importantly, we have states that are, because their economies collapsed also, they're not getting the revenues in that they expected. And unlike the federal government that can borrow as much money as they want, states can't do that. And so, for example, North Carolina is probably looking at at least at a minimum of a 5% hit to their to their revenues, state revenues over the next, probably the next two years, 5% in each of those years. And so that was one of the things that various proposals wanted to accommodate some money going directly to states. States did get money out of these packages, but it all had strings attached. It, it had to go to testing, it had to go to schools, it had to go to hospitals. North Carolina actually got $39 billion from the federal government over the various aid packages. But all but $1 billion of that uh, had to be spent in certain ways, it couldn't just go into the general fund. So that's a lingering question, and I think it's going to depend on how the how the, ultimately the presidential election turns out, what kind of uh, deals can be made. But uh, yeah, there certainly are problems. So normally this time of the year, our our manufacturers have been wrapping up for the Christmas season, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What do what do you economists are thinking about what's ahead this year? Are we is it gonna is Santa Claus gonna be good? Yeah, or? Yeah. Well, interesting you ask that because I just I've been reading a couple of forecasts and believe it or not, Phil, they are actually fairly optimistic. One forecast I think from Wells Fargo is predicting a record improvement in Christmas sales. Christmas sales are usually defined by retail sales in November and December. Wells is, is predicting retail sales in the nation in, in November and December will be up 9% from last November and December. That would be a record improvement. And you might say, well, how, how could that happen? We've had this high unemployment. We've had this pandemic. We've had people having financial problems. A couple of things here. One, the federal government did push a lot of money into the economy about four, $4 trillion. I said North Carolina's share, that was about 39. Secondly, think about when we were shut down. People, there weren't things people could spend their money on. So a lot of folks who, and this is not all folks now, but a lot of folks who, who could meet the, the light bill and pay the light bill and, and make the mortgage payment, they got money from the federal government, stimulus check, unemployment check, and they banked it. And savings rate skyrocketed in the summer. So the, the, the thought process here is, is that when Christmas buying season gets here, well, it already is, people are, are going to want to celebrate. People are going to take some of that money they banked in the summer and spend it. So if, if that's the case, and I hope it's the case, that would be a good, a big shot of adrenaline to, to the economy. Yeah, I know around here, there's been a lot of home improvement projects mm-hmm. going yes. on yeah. up, up and down the block. So yes. I think that's that's one area that's probably been really strong. And I think, yeah, I remember someone was asking me that, was telling me that the price of lumber had just gone mm-hmm. way up, you know, and right. all of that. You've been hearing that too? 
Oh, yes, yes. We, we did a little bit of home improvement, and I was shocked. What a <laughs> two-by-four two yeah. has cost me what, compared to about a year ago. Yeah, right. So that's great. I mean, it's a good good uh, future looking out for us right now. Before we go, I did want to give you a chance to talk about a couple of your new books. Uh, we spoke about them in the intro, uh, oh. Real Solutions at Disunia. Uh, well, thank you, Phil. Uh, authors always like to hawk their books. So uh, I did two books last year, published two books. <clears throat> this one is called Real Solutions, Common Sense Answers to Our Most Pressing Problems. This is really a book that is a culmination of my 43 years at NC State. When I do talks, people ask me all about the various issues, healthcare, income inequality, education, taxes, debt, et cetera. And I finally wrote a book that has, that addresses all those, gives a look at all those, and then looks about, looks at alternative ways to approach them, then gives my approach. So that's in this book. And then more of a fun book, I do like to write fiction on the side. It's a total departure from what I do. And I have published a, a political thriller called Disunia it has to do, it's a little bit of a takeoff of maybe where the state of politics is in our country. And if things sort of uh, reeled out of control, what it could be, there's a, there's a nice good ending, but it hopefully does keep people on the edge of their seat and, and sort of makes them reflect maybe on where we are politically in the country. So how do you gear up to write an economic thriller? You really don't. I, 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 at least my experience is unlike unlike the the policy book where it's a matter of I sit down, I make a detailed outline, I know what I'm going to do, I do the research, do the drafts, etc. But I, this is my fourth fiction book I've written, and totally different thought process. I'm using a different part of my brain, and it's all as if I sit down and it just comes to you, and I just start writing. And then when there's no more there, I stop. And then it could be I may have more flow into the head. And, at three o'clock in the morning, and I got to get up and write that down before I forget it. So just, it's been amazing for me just to understand the human body, how, how the thought process of writing fiction is totally different than the thought process of writing nonfiction. Well, I'm sure it's going to be great. I mean, if you're on your fourth thriller, I mean, you must be having a, a good time writing them and, and that people are enjoying those. And so we're grateful you sharing that information about the, your books and also, as always, your knowledge about the economy and what's going on in manufacturing and, and all those great things. And so really, thank you so much for- My pleasure, Phil. Thanks for having again. me. And we look forward to always having you back. And maybe this time next year, we'll have another story yeah. <laughs> to tell. Please contact me. Thank you. All right. Thanks again. Thank you for joining today's Clocking In, Voices of NC Manufacturing. This podcast is brought to you by NC State's College of Engineering, the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, and Industry Expansion Solutions. If you'd like to learn more about the solutions NCMEP offers, go to www.ncmep.org. Want to listen to previous Clocking In podcasts? Go to ncmep.org slash clocking in.